section number twenty three of the rose coloured world and other fantasies this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox recording by elaine conway england the rose coloured world and other fantasies by ethel mary brodie faith chapter five for a week pierre gaspard left faith in peace it was not peace to her for her mind was agitated with the memory of raymond's the duel she had fought with pierre she knew her opponent well and if his love was strong his revenge would be cruel if he did revenge himself which would be to inform her husband where she was her freedom would end and the old slavery of her wretched married life begin again daily unhappiness and monotonous pain oh the terror for her of such a life life it was not life behind her spread the miserable years only too vivid when she was tied irrevocably to a man of no fine feeling a brute in dissipation who craved her beauty but had no love for herself and to commence all over again the hourly drudgery of continuous misery and after these months of freedom and peace her soul rebelled there was no escape pierre had said so which meant that he would watch her wherever she went and whatever she did and a telegram would bring her husband on her trail she well knew the instant he found out where she was there was no running away the alternative was to return to her husband of her own free will and then would follow his cruel and cutting taunts and he would laugh and say it was fear that had brought her back she a coward a coward of all things she most despised pierre's vengeance would include more he would tell her husband of her life in the boniface restaurant how he would torment her and sneer at her for her waitress life he would not strike her no the only lash he used was his tongue the bitterest lash that could be applied to faith winston with her sensitive gentle nature and then a day might come when at last driven to bay she would turn on him and then the gossip of her life would leak out and society in the great city where bernstein glennie lived would hold its sides in laughter or whisper doubts of her innocence faith recoiled and all that was refined and good in her shrank from this ruthless bitter picture the longer she thought of it and anticipated its wretchedness the more she shuddered at the idea of heaving a return to her husband what an existence how should she ever endure it her courage failed indeed faith understood bernstein glennie her husband's brilliance had dazzled her his happy-go-lucky nature had seemed gentleness and kindness of heart and she had married him at nineteen years of age alas her happiness had an early death she discovered the cloven feet of her ideal his brilliance and dash in the way of wrong were more terrible than his love and gaiety in the path of right seemed fascinating and to her girlish eyes even magnificent how she had idolized him memory's sorrows sting for she still saw the beautiful flower with her imagination which her imagination had created and which faded died soon after her marriage how she had watered it with her fine thoughts and sunned it with her love 
how the tenderness and nobleness of her own character had perfected it and how her innocence had made it fragrant with a sweetness which pervaded everywhere and distilled from all the things but the flower lay at her feet its petals shrivelled and lifeless its sweetness gone for ever its beauty no more one child had been born to them but it only lived to utter its tiny cry and die no baby hands had ever caressed her no chubby arms had ever wound around her neck no baby lips and smiles had ever loved her and warmed her heart the longing of mother-love had never been satisfied and her home offered nothing to fill and console her life she saw the world as a wilderness bleak and cold nothing soothed the pain of a lifelong disappointment and her heart died as hearts sometimes do when tried beyond their strength to endure she loathed her husband's wealth she could not see its blessing despite her many charities she only saw its curse in bernstein glenny's life it flamed over his existence it had burned her it had seared all who had touched it from his hands and faith felt it would smoulder even at his end with a menacing angry fire like the claw of a demon pierre gaspard's millions she laughed bitterly miserably as she thought of his offer millions they were the only fruit her married life had borne and its taste was rancid like the overplus apples which rotted in their orchards as the years went by her married life had grown more terrible to her at first they had fought with words to kill each other with words and neither would give in then the baby came and slipped away and her spirit broke she sealed her lips and grew cold silent and cold to him silent and cold to every one people judged her harshly short-sightedly because of the hardness of their hearts they turned from her and faith winston glenny with a crushed and breaking heart fled from her home in the south to bury her sorrows below a surface of ice and to live her quiet monotonous waitress life in a new york restaurant in a cheerless new york boarding-house from day to day she had lived there with some sense of security and peace with a breath of freedom like the air of meadowland and after the damp and chill of airless rooms but that was all over now faith winston did not weep it was not her nature to give way to tears but every day the fire burned more fiercely in her heart the fire of doubt uncertainty and distress and faith wilted under it as the sun might scorch a lovely flower on one side pierre gaspard's offer on another the return to her husband willingly or unwillingly and on the third faith closed her eyes to shut out its horror death death by her own hand her soul rebelled against evil as represented by pierre and suicide and her conscience smote her at the mere thought of those horrible temptations and yet her human nature her whole being sought its right its god-given right to be happy to rest and the bondage of her marriage manacled her hands and feet bruised her and daily crucified her it was no choice between love and duty faith loved no one and bernstein glenny demanded no duty of her he simply desired her beauty thus the battle continued between good and evil as faith had been taught to think of them as they had been bred into her life as conscience the immutable invisible monitor of all lives pleaded and commanded each day faith winston grew paler 
hallows formed in rings around her eyes her eyes for the first time in her life looked large and brilliant the only windows out of which the fire in her soul escaped and found a glimmer of freedom betty was not unmindful of the change in faith no one else paid any attention to it if they did chance to observe that she was whiter than usual it was set down to ill health the girls said indifferently that they supposed she was going into decline as so many working girls did in new york faith never looked strong at any time so it was not surprising and they went on their ways like the priest and the pharisee of old and left faith by the wayside to her wounds and her sufferings but not so with betty without being obtrusive she paid her friend every little attention and kindness she could think of in the goodness of her heart and felt well rewarded when faith gave her a smile of thanks in recognition of her thoughtfulness and sympathy betty had made the acquaintance of a bright young gentleman this last week or so intuitively she felt that he was coming to the boniface restaurant for a purpose of his own and bessie guessed it rightly although the young man had no idea of having done so every day he came and several times a day and betty made a point of serving him every time she could manage it her manner was the essence of good nature and off-hand generosity and his earnest blue eyes looked straight at her with a sound in their depths that rang of true steel of a kingly height he had broader shoulders than most men and swinging gait which betokened taste for the ocean and a knowledge of walking decks on a rough sea or pulling halyards in a hurricane his large shapely hands and his cheery face were bronzed with the sun and his fair hair was tinged with gold from long exposure in southern climes where the sunshine was hotter than in new york about this man was a fresh bracing atmosphere and a world of kindliness that won betty's confidence and respect it seemed to breathe of a staunch and faithful heart a magnetic personality and a free and easy honest mind as they became better acquainted betty hinted to him in a way of her own that she had formed her opinions about his purpose in coming so often to the boniface restaurant but the man smiled and appeared unconscious it was on good friday that pierre gaspard strolled into the boniface faith saw him as she was entering the restaurant through the swing doors and she shuddered he sat down at the table on the opposite side of the room from betty's acquaintance a table where faith always served betty was going out as faith was coming in with a tray of dishes and cutlery take this betty she said quickly it goes to table six and please serve the gentleman who is alone at table four i feel so ill that i must go home it was all said and done so suddenly that betty had taken the tray had laid the various dishes on table six and was standing at table four by the gentleman alone before the gentleman had sat down after removing his hat and coat and betty watched carefully at table number four well my pretty girl what do you want here asked pierre gaspard with a careless smile glancing at the girl's bright face with a touch of patronage and admiring indifference for betty's face had just missed being pretty her serious blue eyes being her chief charm your order sir answered betty gravely pierre glanced slowly all around the restaurant not finding whom he was seeking he inquired where is the waitress who served me the other day miss winslow win something or other i heard one of the waitresses call her 
but she has gone home ill returned betty in a tone of reserve oh so sorry has she been ill long raising his eyebrows with insincere sympathy no snapped betty so suddenly that pierre lifted his monocle and stared at her through it she waits well he observed without further comment but with an ironical smile your order sir demanded betty again somewhat peremptorily he gave it easily and she hurried away to fill it knitting her eyebrows and looking puzzled then a light broke over her face i remember she murmured to herself just a week ago faith was looking all right that day but since betty broke off and finished with it is the same man i know his face i would know it anywhere and it is not a good one but what can he possibly have to do with faith winston or rather what can faith have in common with him dear me it is a queer world when she returned she paid marked attention to pierre seeking to please him by every small care she answered his jokes and impertinences as gaily and freely as he gave them when he had finished his meal he studied her face a moment and then said quietly will you give miss winston a message from an old friend of hers who knew her before she came to wait in this restaurant and who is at present in new york certainly came betty's prompt reply i would do anything to please you and betty laughed inwardly at her white fib i will hold you to that and demand a kiss the first time we meet alone or are unobserved by the throng it will be my payment for your service and he gave her a sly smile and i will serve you well joined betty meaning what she said in a way that was to startle pierre later on she closed her lips in a smile over set teeth and bit her tongue hard then tell me miss winston that her friend mr pierre here give me one of your order slips and i shall write the name so that you will not forget it mr pierre will await her in general park to-morrow afternoon at three o'clock we will meet her at the bridge across the lake and who shall i say gave the message inquired betty with seeming innocence you have one service to perform for me is it not enough he asked with a queer smile if you ask for more the payment will be increased kisses you understand and there is such as getting too much of a good thing you may get more than you want not more than i can give be wise betty tipped her chin saucily but her cheeks had flushed i guess i'm equal to all occasions she laughed in a forced way and as he put on his coat he gave her a keen bold look you'll do my girl he observed and walked off yes i'll more than do muttered betty to herself i'll do for you if ever i get the chance you rascal betty's cheeks were very hot but not more so than her anger she had played her part well in deceiving pierre gaspard and now that it was over she was afire with indignation he did not know that she was a friend of faith winston's and would defend her from any calamity or care that she could prevent and he was not going to know that if she could help it her conscience was clear had the restaurant been empty and a pistol handy and a few alterations made in my character my last glance at you mr pierre as you marched out so calmly would have been a bullet she thought with fiery indignation and it would have been better service than you deserve 
betty hastened to the cloak-room tore a sheet off her order pad and wrote a note she folded it carefully and tucked it into her sleeve then she returned to the restaurant and crossed to where her new acquaintance of the cheerful manners sat at his table absorbed in a newspaper she made as if to clear the table and set it afresh with plates tumblers and so on in reaching for a glass she with apparent accident tumbled a spoon on the floor she stooped to pick it up and as she did so the gentleman with the free courtesy of a seaman stooped also and as his head neared hers she lifted an earnest anxious face to his and whispered can i trust you absolutely and his answering glance was as honest as hers take this please she said hurriedly in a low voice handing him her rough note read it when you are out of sight of the boniface he nodded kindly and slipped the note into his pocket then he left the restaurant the young man took the note out when some blocks away from the boniface and read it carefully read it with great surprise and pity then with an expression of righteous indignation he frowned and thought hard as he strolled over to fifth avenue and hired a bus after he had climbed its steeple-like steps and seated himself as comfortably as he could on the skyscraping elevation he drew out his newspaper from a capacious pocket and ran his eyes over all the columns he found what he was seeking and extracting a pair of scissors from a small leather case he carefully clipped out a cutting read it over several times as if to make sure of its contents then folded it nicely and stowed it in a safe inside pocket then he re-read betty's note and stowed it with a clipping and went on his way with a complex smile End of section twenty three